0: Good morning, NFL fans. My name is Jeff Kerr. Once again, happy Hump Day, happy Wednesday, and we're gonna put a wrap on Week One. We kind of did that yesterday. We're gonna jump into Week Two today. I got a fun guest for you. uh, One of your favorite Eagles beat writers, Martin Frank uh, from DelawareOnline.com, will be joining us later today. We'll talk some Eagles. We'll preview some Eagles-Vikings. But first, we gotta start with that team. You love or you hate. It's the Dallas Cowboys. And Jerry Jones spoke yesterday on Dak Prescott's injury. I'm just going to come out and say it. He is desperate. He is delusional. He is insane. Because Jerry Jones will not put Dak Prescott on the injured reserve. He thinks he can be back in four weeks. I don't even think the guy can grip a football. He's got a thumb injury. It's a thumb. I can't do this. I, I, I don't know. It's, I, I don't understand the logic that goes on in that front office. I don't, over the last eight months, I, I've been confused. The Dallas Cowboys want to tell you every year they're going to win a Super Bowl, but yet they do everything opposite it takes to win a Super Bowl. They did not address the backup quarterback position at all this offseason, and they're paying for it now. Because you banked on a quarterback who missed 11 games in 2020 with the ankle injury. He missed a game last year. Dak Prescott used to be one of the healthiest quarterbacks in the the entire NFL. He never missed a game. Now he's going to miss at the minimum 16 in the last three years? Jerry Jones wants to bring him back early because he knows this team doesn't have a chance without Dak Prescott? So let's look at the Cowboys' next couple games, shall we? They got the Bengals, Dak won't be playing in that, obviously. They got the Giants, he won't be playing in that. And they got the Commanders, he won't be playing in that. So, four weeks. You know what they play in four weeks? The Rams. Battle first place teams from last year. Yeah, the Rams. Why do you think he wants Dak Prescott's back so badly? Because he knows the Cowboys could very well be one and three going into that game. And guess what? But that offense, they don't have a chance in hell to beat the Los Angeles Rams. After the Rams, say he misses the Rams. Dallas plays Philadelphia on Sunday Night Football. You don't think Jerry Jones wants the one guy who could potentially beat the Eagles back for that game? Rushing him back? Maybe Jerry Jones knows John Fagan's not going to rush Dak Prescott anyway, so... Dak may be able to get off a couple passes. I don't know. It just reads desperation to me because Dallas don't have a chance in hell to beat Philadelphia with eater without Dak Prescott. I, I don't want to hear Cooper Rush can win games for him. No, Cooper Rush won one game, one game against one of the worst defenses in football last year in the Minnesota Vikings. That ain't the same Vikings team. Week one overreaction or not. That's a much different defense. The Vikings were not a playoff team last year. This year they have the makings of a playoff team just through one week because that defense is significantly better. They are. We still have to see how the long-term outlook is for them. But it's a better football team. Cooper Rush is not coming in here and bringing the Dallas Cowboys to a 2-2 and two record while Dak Prescott's out minimum of four games. Dak Prescott is... Going to miss more than four. Jerry Jones is a moron for not playing him on injured reserve and making sure his franchise quarterback, his $40 million quarterback a year, stays healthy. You're paying this guy $40 million a year. Very be damn sure he's healthy. I don't think he cares because he's desperate. He's delusional. He's Jerry Jones. I don't understand. What are you? What are you trying to do here? Is this is your own fault, Jerry? You failed to address the backup quarterback position. This is what this is all I need to know about the Cowboys and their starting quarterbacks right now. Cooper Rush and Will Greer, you put them on waivers and no one claimed them. That's all I need to know. No one wanted them. And Jerry Jones already basically admitted, we don't have any trade brewing. Whether that's coach speak or not, GM speak, fine. But unless you're paying a King's ransom for Jimmy Garoppolo or Mason Rudolph or someone like Tyler Huntley, you ain't getting the backup quarterback. What you see is what you get. And it's going to be your Cooper Rush or Will Greer. See, they don't even know who it is. That's how bad both of them were in the preseason. Don't tell me. Don't feed me that. Cooper Rush can win you football games. No, he won you one football game. One. There's a big, big difference. Nick Foles ain't walking through that door and leading you to the promised land. Even if Cooper Rush or Will Greer play well. Your wide receivers are a joke. An absolute joke. CeeDee Lamb, 11 targets. Two catches. Just did not look ready to fill in the role for Amari Cooper. I think CeeDee Lamb's a really good football player, but he needs help. So he's easy to stop. Dennis Houston. Does anybody know who Dennis Houston is? Can you tell me what college Dennis Houston went to? This is their wide receiver core right now. Noah Brown. Noah Brown was their leading receiver. Yeah, they had Dalton Schultz at tight end. But they don't have much. James Washington's out. Who knows if Michael Gallup's going to play Sunday? We'll find out. We'll find out that, you know, but again, this is going to be a tough matchup for Dallas. They're playing the Bengals. They're playing the defending AFC champions who are coming off a bad loss. And what's crazy about everything I just said, ripping this football team and their offense, I still think they might have a shot because the Bengals' offensive line didn't get any better. They're better on paper. Town-wise, they're better. I still think in the long run, Joe Burrow's gonna be okay. But I gotta go by what I got. And what I got is they gave up seven sacks. Joe Burrow the team at the offensive five giveaways, four by Joe Burrow, had four interceptions. And the Cowboys defense is really good. DeMarcus Lawrence looks back. Michael Parsons is a freak. St- Seven, what 15 career sacks in 17 games? First of the pudding, Michael Parsons is one of the best defensive players in football. So you got that going for you. Dallas' defensive line versus Cincinnati's offensive line is a real equalizer right now, unless Cincinnati gets this thing fixed and protects Joe Burrow. Because if they do, I think Cincinnati can potentially win this game by double digits. But the Bengals cannot afford to go 0-2 because 0-2 football teams don't make Super Bowls, which is the end game for the Cincinnati Bengals. Every 0 2 team last year did not make the playoffs. And the playoffs are expanded. That tells me all I need to know right there. You can't go 0-2, and one of them's going 0-2 Sunday. I don't think it's going to be Cincinnati, but I don't think Dallas is doesn't have a chance because of that defensive line, because of that defense who led the league in turnovers last year and had one on Sunday, picking off Tom Brady. The Bucs offense, yeah, they got some things, some things to figure out, but Dallas did a pretty good job on them. But their offense is terrible. Oh, by the way, don't, don't fall into that trap that uh, Tyler Smith had a good game. He didn't have a good game. Speed four times, gave up two pressures, and gave up a sack. For a rookie, that's, a, that's okay. But you're asking him to fill some big, big shoes in Tyron Smith here. I still think he's better off at left guard. And you put Jason Pierce at left tackle. But is Jason Pierce ready? Probably not. Connor McGovern's got an ankle sprain. So, it look, he, it doesn't look like he'll play Sunday. We all know yet. It's only Wednesday morning. Injury reports haven't come out yet. It's bad. It's really bad. I don't know the Cowboys can score 10 off this team. Nothing shows me they can. At least after a week of football. No. Cincinnati should be able to score 10 points, right? You would think. I mean, Dallas can find a way to get 17, 20 points and get pressure on Joe Burrow, which I think they'll do. They have a shot. I just don't see him being Cincinnati. But I'm not putting them down the water yet. I think in the long run, they're done. But that's in the long run. We're talking week two? Yeah. I, I, I'm just not I'm not feeling the Cowboys right now. I'm just not feeling them. I am i don't like decisions they're making. Oh, and Mike Carpher's their head coach. So... I don't know if fans are worried about the Cowboys or not. I, I I don't think you should be. All right, let's get to the Eagles here. Um, They don't play till Monday. So we got plenty of time to talk about them. But I, I did think this is important. I could care less if Devonta Smith didn't have a catch on Sunday. I could care less. The Eagles won the game. They're doing what every other team does with star receivers. Force feeding them. Cooper Cup. Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown. Yeah, that's that's the class A.J. Brown's A.J. Brown was the number two receiver in football on Sunday, in week one. Cooper Cups had a great game, 10 catches, 130 yards. A.J. Brown, 10 catches, 155 yards. Justin Jefferson, 6 catches, 158 yards in the first half, 9 catches, 185 yards for the game. Good players get the football. Devonta Smith's a good player, too. He's going to get his. Trust me. He'll get his. I'm not worried about that. But I do think it's important the Eagles address this over the last couple days. See, this is why the media can be your friend, believe it or not, because they do ask these questions, contrary to popular belief. They asked about Devonta Smith. Nick Sariani did not hide it. Devonta Smith has to touch the football. We have to find ways to get him the football. He's too good of a player. But the key, word, the key phrase was, Devonta Smith has to touch the ball. Shane Steichen, we have to get Smith the ball. Devonta Smith is going to get the ball. Because I think Patrick Peterson may be on A.J. Brown this week. And Patrick Peterson is not the same Patrick Peterson he was five years ago. But he's still a good cornerback. Just not what he was. He's not the pro Bowl all pro type. But he's above replacement level here. Devonta Smith's going to get his chance on Monday night. I, I promise you that. I promise you that. Shane like him will not let Devonta Smith go targetless. He only had four targets. It, it was weird not seeing him catch a pass because that's what he's done his entire career. Catch passes. It, it's different. And I'm curious to hear what Devonta Smith has to say on Thursday, I believe. Locker rooms are open. So, but this is key to me. And again, this is why I didn't care. He didn't have a catch. Shane Steichen. Everybody in this room is selfless. We're all about winning. As long as we're scoring and winning. And the Eagles did both. Offense at 31 points. And they won. Team at 38. Look, it's not just about the Smith. Wes Watkins didn't get a target either. Zach Pascal, one target or one catch. So between three of them, they got one catch. I have no problem with the quarterback force feeding A.J. Brown when A.J. Brown's getting open. A.J. Brown is beating you. It's funny how narratives work. Especially on social media. Social media can be a toxic place, guys. As you well know. Don't listen to the haters on this. Jimenez can't throw the ball to his left. No, he did. He threw the ball to his was left as, as the same percentage he threw to his right on Sunday. And he threw the ball across the middle 46% of the time. Which is much higher than last year. A.J. Brown has a lot to do with that. Eagles aren't concerned over their quarterback running either. Do I want Jalen Hurts to get 17 carries? Well, it really wasn't 17. He had a couple kneel downs in there. No. But he didn't really have a choice because he was getting blitzed. He had pressure in his face all day long. His time from snap to football was one of the worst in the NFL. That's on the offensive line. Give credit to Aaron Glenn for the blitz packages. Jalen Hurts had to run. And guess what? He won the game. He ran 20.5 miles per hour on a 16-yard run. That was fastest among all quarterbacks in the league. That was a top-five speed all week one. You want Jalen Hurts running the football. That's what the Eagles aren't concerned about. It's why they're not concerned at all. And I can't blame him. It's not a big deal for Nick Sirianni. Let's just put it that way. It's not. I mean, there's a couple other things I want to get with the Eagles, but we got a couple weeks here. I I just keep looking at, I I think they're going to be fine. There's a lot to digest here in week one, especially with Jonathan Gannon, and there were a lot of things I didn't like Jonathan Gannon did. But overall, they're going to be fine. They're going to score points. Monday's matchup's a big one, no doubt about it. Same with week three. But the Eagles are home. And I do think they'll get some things corrected on defense. But I love to see two things. Hassan Reddick rushed a passer more. I didn't see enough of that. And Jordan Davis playing more. Uh, Martin Frank is in the green room. When we come back, we're going to have Martin Frank, and we'll talk some Eagles, and we'll talk some more NFC East right after this.
1: It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get
0: scared sometimes
2: of a lot of things.
0: Joining in,
2: decisions,
3: the dark. The dark.
2: We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first. Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles we're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go bird. and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds.
0: He is everybody, ladies and gentlemen? Martin Frank, nowhere online. How you been, Mark?
3: Hey, all right, Jeff, good morning to everybody. How's it going?
0: Yeah, pretty good. I see you um uh spiced up a bit. You had some class today, no t-shirt.
3: Yeah, yeah, you know, gotta, gotta dress up for the big show.
0: <laughs> so, what's your take on this whole cowboys drama? Or I, I don't even know what we want to call it drama at this point because they're just an absolute mess right now.
3: Yeah, you know, I was watching the uh, the Sunday night game and everything, and, and, you know, everyone talks about what a big loss Dak Prescott's going to be, but, like, they always scored like a field goal while he was playing. I mean, you know, it wasn't like he was lighting up on offense. Um, they had some serious problems. You know, the left tackle situation is kind of a disaster, a train wreck, um, you know they can't get jason peters ready fast enough and you know the guy is like almost 41 years old and you know they're pretty much relying on him to save their season they're crossing their fingers hoping cooper rush can like at least keep him competent until dak prescott gets back and now i guess they're talking like dak might only be be out a month or something so he might return in time for that game against the eagles on october 16th and If that's the case, I mean, that's going to mean everything for the Cowboys. That's their season right there because, you know, chances are, you know, the way it looks right now, they could be like a couple games out of first place. And, you know, if they want to stay in the race, you know, they're going to have to win that game. So, yeah, they got a lot of issues.
0: I think their season might even come down before that because I think it's week four they play Washington. I got to get my number. Yeah, it is week four. So that could be it because Washington could – Theoretically, jump then, especially after the way they came back on Sunday.
3: Well, yeah. I mean, like every team in the NFC East is one and all right now, already leads the Cowboys by a game. And, you know, they got, you mentioned they got the game against Washington, they got the game against the Eagles. That's two NFC East games, like in the early part of the season. So, you know, those games are going to be critical. And, you know, if they drop both of those, they're already, you know, as of right now, they're already behind the eight ball, but, you know, even more so if they drop both of those games. So, you know, they're going to have some issues. They got to, they got to turn it around. They got to turn it around quickly and, and they got to find a way to do it. I mean, they don't have Michael Gallup. Um, Amari Cooper's already gone. Um, Cedric Wilson's gone. You know, you can't, you know, C.D. Lamb's pretty much the only receiver they trust right now. And, you know, can't give him the ball like 50 times if, if the other team knows it's coming and stuff so you know they well, got some issues
0: <laughs> well it's funny how you say you can't give a guy a ball 50 times because the eagles certainly <laughs> tried to do out on sunday with aj brown uh overall though what were your impressions on what brown was able to do against detroit
3: um brown's amazing like you know all these years that he's been in tennessee you don't really get a chance to see him up close you know the way we have over the summer and you know in the first game and everything and he's everything like the eagles expected him i mean the guy can like get open in so many ways it was kind of interesting um yesterday jonathan gannon the eagles defensive coordinator was describing justin jefferson and and it's the same thing you know with with aj brown he said he's a guy who can you know beat you deep he can beat you over the middle he can take a slant and run, and, and that's exactly what we've seen from A.J. Brown, and the Eagles desperately needed a guy like that. I mean, yes, they could have drafted Justin Jefferson, not to worry about it, but that's another story. Um, The fact that, you know, they have a guy like that, I mean, opens up for every, everybody else. Now we just got to see everybody else take advantage of that, which which we did not um against the Lions. So, you know, I would assume that, You know, the Vikings are obviously dissecting this video and stuff like that. And they'll, you know, they'll try to, like, stop A.J. Brown in it. And if they do, then a guy like Devontae Smith, who didn't have any catches against the Lions, is going to have to produce, Um, you know, Dallas Goddard, you know, got a few balls here and there. Um, He's going to have to be more of a factor. And, you know, maybe even Quez Watkins, who didn't get any, um, didn't have any catches either. So, you know, they have a guy. You know, like the Vikings do with Justin Jefferson, now they got to find a way to work everybody else into the offense.
0: Nick Seri, I mentioned you guys Monday, and Shane Steichen doubled down on Tuesday about Devonta Smith. He has to get the football, and they felt responsible why he didn't. But it just doesn't seem like as big of a deal in that locker room as it does, say, on Twitter, per se.
3: No, it does. I mean, when you score 38 points, well, technically 31 on offense I mean it's a pretty good day and and if you know they were able to do it just by going to AJ Brown and letting Jalen Hurts run I mean you know that's another factor the Vikings have to account for the running game with both Hurts and Miles Sanders so however you get it done is fine but you know at some point you know you got to get production from those other guys too I mean I, I don't think it's the uh you know the panic mode situation that you see on Twitter with with the other guys and everything like that but you know Devontae Smith had a 916 yards receiving last year he's pretty good and the eagles know that and so does everybody else so you know it's just a question of you know those guys working their way in and getting getting open and and getting the ball and i'm sh- i'm sure that'll happen more so um you know in this game against the vikings and everything going forward as well
0: when the eagles play how can I work this best when Justin Jefferson, are are they going to let him kind of get his and try to stop feeling and guys like KJ Osborne, or how how do you think they're going
3: to approach that? I would think, I would think that's, I would think they would try to at least have, you know, two guys watching, um, Justin Jefferson, whether it's, you know, a cornerback, Darius Slate traveling with him, and then maybe a safety, you know, keeping an eye on him as well. Um, I don't think they want – I mean, I think they want to see if the other guys can beat them. I mean, I think – I get the feeling that their strategy is going to be like, let's try to take Justin Jefferson away and let's, you know, make make somebody else beat you. Um, because they do have another good cornerback in James Bradbury. I mean, we saw him get a pick six against the Lions and everything. So, you know, it's not like a situation where, you know, like maybe last year or the year before where you had a huge drop-off after Darius Slay. I mean, I think if if they put um, James Bradbury on, you know, another Vikings receiver, I think he would do a decent job and everything. And now they got Chauncey Gardner uh, Johnson, um, you know, they have some adjustments they can make. You know, they could try to take Justin Jefferson away and, and you know, take their chances on anybody else beating them. I think that would be more of the strategy that they would use in this case.
0: What was the biggest concern you have with the defense Sunday?
3: Uh, the run defense. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was it was it was pretty bad, and and you know the Vikings have a pretty good running back too, and Dalvin Cook and everything like that. So, you know, it's they're gonna have to get better because you know it wasn't it wasn't a good performance in it, in any shape. Um, you know, a lot of people mentioned the Jordan Davis factor when he was on the field. Um, the Lions averaged maybe like 2.9 yards per carry. When he wasn't on the field, they were averaging 10 yards per carry. So um, that's obviously a huge concern. I, I was, I was kind of shocked by um, the fact that Javon Hargrave didn't play very well. You know, here's a guy coming off of a Pro Bowl season. and just He just seemed like a step slow and everything. I know he had the toe injury for most of training camp, and maybe that's still affecting him. Um, but it was something, I mean, Fletcher Cox wasn't that great either. And, you know, I didn't see much from, you know, the defensive ends either. So, um, uh, you know, that's got to get better. I mean, you know, if they have the same kind of performance against the Vikings, I mean, Dalvin Cook's going to run all over them and that's going to open things up in the passing game. And we already know how good the Vikings passing game is going to be. So, um, you know, it, it could be just as bad as it was against Detroit and Vikings are a much better team.
0: It's funny too, you mentioned Jordan Davis and I think he played what 23 snaps, but do you feel he's out of shape? Do you feel that's why they don't play him as much or shouldn't that matter?
3: Uh, I don't think he's out of shape. I mean, the guy's, you know, six foot six, 336 pounds. He, um, You know, he was never hurt during the preseason. So, you know, he got he didn't like, you know, it wasn't a case like maybe with Hargrave where he missed like three weeks and everything and maybe fell out of shape. But I don't see that as being the case with Jordan Davis. I just think they wanted to ease him in, you know, rookie first game. And, you know, I think especially in the second half, once they get the 17 point lead, I think they figured the Lions would pass because, Obviously, if you're behind by 17, you're going to try to, you know, throw your way back in the game. And the Lions, for the most part, kept with the running game, which I think caught the Eagles off guard a little bit. So maybe that's why Jordan Davis didn't play all that much in the, you know, as much in the second half, especially, um, you know. I would think like if they have a lead against, let's say, the Vikings um, in the second half and I'm sorry, uh I would think if they're if the Vikings are still running the ball in the second half, if it's a close game or the Vikings are leading or something like that, you know, then obviously they would be running the ball more. Um, and then you'd probably see Jordan Davis more. I just think it was a situation where in the second half they expected the Lions to pass their way back into the game because they were down by 17 points on two different occasions. And and, you know, they pretty much stayed pretty balanced. And I think that caught them off guard. And it's also why Jordan Davis might not have been in the game as much as he should have been, but he still should have been in the game. I mean, you know, he's your first round pick. And and if you tout him as a, as a, as a three down defensive tackle, then, you know, play him as a three down defensive tackle. Uh,
0: Another player who I think he only played three snaps on defense anyway, and that was the Dean and the Eagles had 16 missed tackles on Sunday. So do you think maybe he's the solution for that?
3: Uh, I think he would help, Um, you know, I mean, obviously Kaiser white and TJ Edwards are the two main linebackers and they rarely ever. um, I've never, actually, I didn't see them at all in a base defense with three linebackers uh, the other day. So, you know, um, that's kind of the situation, you know, they only use two linebackers and right now TJ Edwards and Kaiser Kaiser white are the main guys and, and they did a pretty good job. I mean, you know, maybe a missed tackle from them here and there. Um, Kaiser White, you know, did tip the ball that um, was intercepted by by Bradbury and everything. So, you know, it might be tough for uh, Kobe Dean to get, you know, regular playing time, but he should definitely get more than three snaps, especially if they're having tackling issues. I mean, that's what the guy was known for, Georgia. We've seen it even in the preseason games, you know, he's been often right up or if not the leading tackler in, in those games. I mean, obviously the circumstances are different because you're playing against second stringers and stuff like that, but still, I mean, you know, this is what they drafted the guy for. Um, They thought they were getting a steal in the third round by a guy who probably should have gotten the first round or at least early second round. So, you know, throw him out there. Let's see what he can do. If, if he's, you know, if they're having tackling issues, he's a pretty good tackler and stuff like that. So. I would like to think that as the season goes along, he'd get more and more playing time. I mean, I was kind of surprised, like probably like everybody else, that he only got the three snaps on defense. But, um, you know, I don't see him getting more than T.J. Edwards or Kaiser White, but he should get more than three, definitely. One
0: thing I've noticed over Eagles fans, especially over the last six, seven years, is they're outside the quarterback, the most polarizing figure on – this franchise is the defensive coordinator. And I just wanted to know your thoughts on Jonathan Gannon.
3: Well, my thoughts are this, like, you know, he has a system. And we saw that last year, you know, he wanted to play what he, you know, what people call the overhang defense, where you can have, you know, five defensive linemen. In order to do that, you need a really good rush linebacker. And last year, you know, that rush linebacker was Jannard Avery. And he had like one sack in 12 games. Um, you know, so, so with Gannon, you're like, okay, well, he's got a decent system, but he just doesn't have the players. So the Eagles went out and got the players. I mean, they got Kaiser white, they got Hassan Reddick. I mean, they gave him $45 million for three years. You know, they got Bradbury in the back end. They got, um, Chauncey Gardner Johnson in the back end. Um, so, you know, now you're saying, okay, well, if your system's so good and you got the players. What happened? And you know, maybe it's the first game and everything like that. But you know, this is Gannon's system. It's it's like an amoeba type thing where you adjust to whatever the offense is is doing and you have the players that can adjust, you know, versatile type of guys who play multiple positions. I mean, you know, Reddick, for example, can drop back and, you know, cover and you could also rush the passer and you know, guys on the defensive line can play both tackle and end, and you know safeties can play slot corner and everything like that so you know it's it's pretty much on Jonathan Gannon to produce because you know this is his defense they got him the players that he requires for a system so now it's on Gannon to make it work and that's what we're going to see this year if he can't make it work I think they got to go in a different direction if he can he's probably going to become a head coach next year so they're probably going to go in a different direction anyway um so you know, this is a big year, especially for Jonathan Gannon. I mean, you know, this could make or break his career. So, um, you know, they got him, the players, he's got no excuses. They got to, they got to show something definitely more than what they showed against the Lions. So, yeah, I I kind of agree with Eagles fans like who are down on Jonathan Gannon. I mean, you know, he's got to turn it around and he's got to do it pretty quickly because the Vikings can exploit a lot of weaknesses.
0: Our old friend Carson Wentz can too. Um, So this is weird. Sunday. I I watched the game when I was watching the Eagles game, but then I rewatched it yesterday, and I was tracking some of Wentz's throws. I did not realize this. He was four for 11 on any throw outside of five yards, yet for some reason I still thought he had a good game. Uh, from what you saw on the outside, uh, how do you feel Wentz performed this week?
3: Um. Well, he threw the two interceptions, right? On yeah. um, back-to-back.
0: Yeah, the one throw was the I I guess he was trying to throw across his body and Trayvon Walker just put his hands up and he got it. So that, that was one of the weird ones, but overall it just seemed like it was a typical Carson Wentz performance.
3: Yeah. And, and the thing with Carson Wentz is, you know, he could make some of the prettiest throws you'll ever see. And, and, you know, obviously to lead, lead them back the way he did, I mean, obviously shows that he can, but he also like makes some throws that you just like you're shaking your head like what what in the hell is he doing? Um, and you know that's kind of always been the problem with Carson Wentz. I mean, I think that's a large large reason why Indianapolis moved on from him last year. They just never knew what they were getting from him from one week to the next. I mean, the last two games last season, you know, all they had to do was win one of them, and and the last one especially against Jacksonville, which had only won. Two games coming into that point, they were two and fourteen. You know, you beat Jacksonville; they're already done for the season. Then you get into the playoffs and stuff. And and he totally laid an egg. And I think that's what kind of like freaks out. I know, I know it did the Eagles that last season, obviously, because he was just so awful. But you just never know from one week to the next, even one game to the next, or even like one play to the next, what you're getting from him. Um, you know, if he puts it all together it was a beautiful ball. You know, everything's great. But then the next, the next series, he could just like, you know, try to play hero ball basically. And that was kind of his problem with the Eagles towards the end too. Like, you know, if things were breaking down, you know, he tried to escape the pocket and he's not Jalen hurts. I mean, not after the knee injury and everything, and he can't do it every time. Um, And, you know, I mean, it was good that he was able to get a win and stuff like that, but I think you're also gonna see games where he's just awful and you know, Washington gets frustrated with him and you know, it's the same same old story with Carson Wentz. You just don't know what you're getting from week to week with him.
0: I actually thought this was kind of funny. Um, so I think it was John Jonathan Allen was on uh, the fan in DC and they asked him about, you know, stuff with Carson Wentz and he said well, that whole locker room cancer thing is high school drama. And I'm like, hold on a second, buddy. It's been one week. I I, I don't understand. Like, I feel like Washington is doing the exact opposite of Indianapolis and going to great lengths to make sure everything is sunshine and roses for this guy.
3: Yeah. Um, I think it was in the summer, um, Montez Sweat, you know, like, he was chasing after Wentz in a, in a drill and everything and Wentz was still holding on to the ball and he's yelling, at him, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, you know, I mean, it's, I don't know, it, it just seems like something that, you know, isn't going to end well. I mean, you know, Carson Wentz is a decent quarterback, but I think he just tries to do too much sometimes. Um, he gets in these situations where he feels like he has to be the one to save everything, and, and I think sometimes he makes it worse instead of just taking the L. and And, and I'll I'll even draw a comparison to Jalen Hurts from yesterday. I, I think we saw at least three times where like Hurts was really under pressure and he was running for his life. He was running towards the sideline, and it seemed like he was going to get sacked, and he just like shoveled the ball out of bounds you know, got to the line of scrimmage, so you can't call it intentional grounding. And, yeah, it affected his completion percentage and everything like that, but he didn't take the sack. He didn't lose yards. You know, it was just an incomplete pass, and he lived to play another play. And I don't think Wentz does that. I think, like, if it were Wentz and he was being chased like that, he'd try to, like, turn again and try to, you know, try to get past the defender, and the defender would tackle him, and he'd lose seven or eight yards, and Washington would be in, you know, you know a second and long or third and long situation like that and you know you just gotta sometimes you just gotta throw the ball away you gotta get rid of it you know you can't hold on to it like that and you know another thing I remember like when he was with the Eagles like Jason Peters used to complain all the time like he holds on to the ball too long um you know you can't hold your block that long if you're an offensive lineman so you know that's another factor and everything I think we're we've seen that from once before and I think you know, that's kind of the same situation in Washington. And at some point it's not going to go well.
0: With the Cowboys situation now, I feel like there's an opportunity for that commander's team to not exactly steal the division here, but make the playoffs. I I think they're talented enough to do that. Do you see a a possibility where they could win nine, 10 games now because Dallas is what it is? Um, Well,
3: I mean, it's possible now because you, you, You know, going into the season, you figure Dallas would be a lot better than, you know, what's going on now, especially with Dak being out. So, yeah, maybe Washington get to like eight or nine wins and everything. But, you know, they still have a lot of a lot of issues and everything like that. So I'm not seeing like 11 or 12 games or winning the division. I just I just don't see that kind of I I, I just don't see that kind of potential there. I mean, I still think they have some issues on offense. I mean, McLaurin's a great receiver and everything like that, but I don't think they have much else to kind of to support him and everything. So it could be kind of interesting to see. But you know, maybe maybe eight or nine wins. I think that's pretty much their ceiling, you know. And that's with Wentz having a good year. So
0: you know. I actually yeah. So I think the Giants might not saying they're gonna be anything, but week one overreaction. I actually think they may be better than. Well, I thought they were going to be at least from their upset win over the Titans. Now they got Carolina this week. It's a very winnable game. It's I'm not saying that they're going to be a threat in the division, but on the outskirts, it does look like they may not be that four or five win team we all thought.
3: All right. Maybe six or seven. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was an impressive win. It was a great win. You know, you know, Brian Daywell's first, first game and everything like that. And they pulled it out at the end. I mean, yeah, Tennessee missed the field goal that would have won the game. Um, so, but yeah, it was great. They're going to be better. I mean, it's, it's going to take some time and stuff, but um, you know, they have to make a decision, a quarterback with Daniel Jones. I mean, you know, Saquon Barkley had a great game. I mean, it was like, you know, from his rookie season before all the injuries and everything like that. But, you know, is that sustainable? Um, I don't know. Um, what what do they have at receiver? I mean, you know, it seems like uh, it's not the greatest situation. You got Daniel Jones at quarterback. The defense is still kind of suspect, you know, based on, you know, there isn't a whole lot there. I mean, they're building the system. They're going to get there eventually. It's just, I don't know. I I wouldn't like overreact from from like, you know, the first game and stuff, you know, week one, a lot of crazy things kind of happened and and that game was definitely one of them. Um, I think the giants will be, will be, they'll be all right. They'll be presentable and stuff. They're not going to be the train wreck that they've been the last four or five years, but you know, they're definitely headed in the right direction. And I guess, you know if you're an nfc east fan that's good to see because you always like to see like a rivalry between the eagles and the giants and giants and cowboys and and stuff like that so um it seems like they're headed in the right direction i i just i I think it's going to take some time i still think this is going to be kind of a transition season for them i mean they have decisions to make on daniel jones and saquon barkley i mean he's in the last year of his contract too so you know, you could be seeing like brand new skill players there next year and everything. So we'll see.
0: How much do you pay attention to the QBR stuff? Because I I thought this was hilarious with Jones. Daniel Jones had the highest completion percentage of his career. He looked like he played pretty well. And yet when you look at ESPN's QBR, he was dead last. Like, do you pay attention to any of that stuff? Or is it I, I don't know. The, to me, it feels like you're just going to give yourself a headache if you look at the PFF and the ESPN data.
3: Yeah, I mean that happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you can you can like finagle the stats pretty much any way you want to make it, you know, to support your your case and everything like that. But you know, a lot of times it's the eye test. I mean, that's the thing with like Carson Wentz last year. You know, everyone said, well, you know, the season wasn't that bad. He threw 27 touchdowns, only had seven interceptions, and you know, but I mean, you can tell from just watching the games last year that they were out of sync a lot of times. He was missing open receivers and stuff like that. I mean, you know, so that's kind of what you got to go with. You got to go with the eye test a lot. And I think a lot of teams are or at least general managers and stuff, like you know, you gotta look beyond the numbers, you gotta see what you're seeing, the way the players um kind of interact with each other and everything like that. I mean, you know, if if a guy isn't like uniting the locker room or, or leading in the right way. I mean, that's, that's a red flag. I mean, you know, people rave about Jalen Hurts, for example, as a leader, as a guy who like, you know, connects with people and everything like that. And I think that buttresses his stats, which obviously if you go by those things, metrics and stuff, they're not the greatest, um, especially, you know, in his, in his passing, you know, 63, 61.3% 63 61.3% completion percentage last year um you know like an 87 or something you know passer rating and all that so like the stats would say that he's not the greatest quarterback but yet you know he can run um the teammates like him they like playing for him they like playing with him i mean i think that's a major reason why jason Kelsey came back he could have easily retired if you didn't think you know they had a guy quarterback who could get the job done. I mean, like, you like, you know, why should I come back if we're going to be like six and 11 or seven and 10, and we don't have a quarterback in place. I mean, he came back because he felt like they did. Um, So, you know, those are more of the tangible things that I look at, you know, and I think a lot of teams look at is, you know, can they win with this quarterback? Does the locker room like him? Does he make the kind of connection and stuff? So I think that's kind of, Bigger in, in some ways than, than what the stats tell you.
0: Finally, Martin, before I let you go here, Nick sariani whether he believes in Jalen Hurts or not, it does seem like, though, he feels, at least him and Shane Steichen, they, not saying they go out of their way to defend Jalen Hurts, but it does feel like they have their guy and they're going to use their guy to his strengths. They don't seem to care what, this guy. Thanks for that guy. Thanks. And ultimately Howie Rosen is going to make the decision here. But I think if push came to shove, it seems like Nick Sirianni is more than okay. If Jalen Hurts is his quarterback.
3: Oh yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Um, and I think the game against the Lions shows like just why they like him so much. I mean, you know, a lot of people critica- criticize Jalen Hurts for not standing in the pocket, like looking for his, you know, second and third read if, if, you know the first guy isn't open and stuff, and but hurts just takes off and runs, and he gets like 15, 10 to 15 yards. Now you have to say to yourself, like, if he's not standing in the pocket waiting for a second or third read, and he's just like taking getting his 10 or 15 yards, Jalen hurts running. Is that better than dumping off to a running back his, you know, his checkdown or whatever, and getting like three or four yards or maybe stop at the line of scrimmage? Well, obviously, the better alternative is him getting 10 to 15 yards and keeping the chains moving. I mean, we saw that, like, even in the first quarter, like, the Eagles had a, I think it was like a third and 15 on their first series. And he ran the ball and got 16 yards, got a first down. I mean, that's better than a dump off to a running back and, you know, gets maybe five yards and it's fourth and 10 and you're punting the ball. I mean, he kept that drive alive. And that's one of the things with Jalen Hurts that makes him different from other quarterbacks. And that's what the Eagles like about him is that, you know, he can, he can get that first down, you know, whether it's with his arm or his legs. And, you know, I think people have to kind of like just come to that conclusion that Jalen Hurts is a different quarterback. He can get the job done. It's just different from what, you know, people are expecting. I mean, he's not afraid to just take off and run and that's what the Eagles need sometimes. And, you know, that's kind of what he gives them. And I think that's why they like him so much. And that's why they're trying to tailor, you know, the offense to his strengths, Um, you know. And then the the pass he threw to A.J. Brown, like that 50-yard, 50 54-yard down pass down the sideline. I mean, that was a perfect pass. Like, you know, he, he made a lot of really good passes. Like, you know, a lot of people questioned his accuracy and everything like that. But he was pretty much right on target yesterday, pretty much all day. I didn't see too many throws that weren't like on point basically. Um, so, you know, the Eagles at, like what they have with Hurts and that's why they're trying to tailor the offense to him because if he's their quarterback, they got to make it work.
0: Martin, I appreciate you coming on. I'm going to have to get you on again. We'll talk some more NFC East. Great conversation today, my friend.
3: All right. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Always yeah. a pleasure.
0: It sounds great. I'll see you Monday. All right. Okay. Martin, Frank, another great conversation. and again. I got to give my tribute to Joey McDonald. We're going to put the ball on the show. Bye, after this.
1: Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
2: Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one, and we will be heard. Pondly Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles.
1: It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17.
0: over this, guys. We watched the Commanders game. And look, Carson Wentz did play pretty well, but it is kind of funny if you're an Eagles fan. 23 of 30 from passes five yards or under, and four of 11 from over five yards, and two of them were touchdowns. That's Carson Wentz. Four of 11 over five yards. I can't believe it. And they won. They barely beat Jacksonville. By the way, Jacksonville's going to be a lot better than people think, I think. not saying they're going to win, like, nine games or anything, but... Six or seven, yeah, like, when Martin Frank and I were joking about, yeah, the Giants are probably going to be better than we think, too, but... Yeah, six or seven's fine, but... (laughs) The Giants play the Panthers Sunday, and we're going to be breaking this down, but... (laughs) They get to face their old friend Ben McAdoo is the offensive coordinator of Carolina now. And I like Matt Rule. I I just don't know about him, though, as an NFL head coach. You have Christian McCaffrey on your team, and he gets 14 touches. Four in the first half. You leave Baker Mayfield out the dry by wanting to throw the football, not even targeting DJ Moore, by the way. And your best player gets 14 touches? Does Matt Rule not know you give your best player to football? Like The Colts gave it to Jonathan Taylor. Once they did, they actually came back and tied the Texans. That's another thing, by the way. The AFC South did not have a win last week. And two teams played each other. It's the worst division in football. I get so sick and tired. Of call, People calling the NFC East the NFC Least, when in reality, as a guy who does division power rankings for CBS Sports every single week, it's not even close. The NFC East was the fifth best division in football last year. they in the in all the pack. The NFC South was the division that sucks. But no one cares about those teams, so you don't hear it. The NFC East got four of the top ten richest franchises in the league. That's why you hear it. I just don't understand how Christian McCaffrey gets 14 touches in a football game when he's healthy. I don't get it. They buried him the ball Sunday, or the Giants are going to be 2 and 0. The Panthers should beat the Giants, but I don't know if they're well coached. They got the longest losing streak in football right now, eight games. Baker Mayfield was fine when he was giving the ball to McCaffrey. He went five for six or 131 yards in the fourth quarter, and they were playing down. So I don't know. It's that's going to be an intriguing game for me Sunday. One I am going to be watching a little closer because I want to see. I rewatched the Giants game last night to with Washington, and I. There were things I liked. I like how Saquon gets the ball, which he should. I thought Daniel Jones was okay. Didn't think he was great. They don't have any receivers. Andrew Thomas looks like he's going to be a pretty good left tackle, though. And they got Evan Neal at right tackle. They don't have in the interior of the offensive line. That's just going to kill. Them. That's why the Eagles got to play Jordan Davis more because he can just completely wreck that team up. They got nobody on the interior of the offensive line. But I'm curious to see how they look when Kayvon Thibodeau and Aji- Zuziari play because they didn't last week. That's that's something to watch. Up uh, four for eleven, there were five yards for Carson Wentz. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I I have to laugh at it. There's still going to be a problem because of Jahan Dotson, because of Curtis Samuel, and because of Terry McLaurin, and because of Antonio Gibson. And they have a decent offensive line. It's not great. It ain't terrible. Charles Leto Charles is more than serviceable at left tackle. A lot of teams would take him. Same as Sam Cosme at, at right tackle. I just worry about Washington's linebacker and secondary situation when you get outside of Thompson-Fuller. What do you got? Ben St. Juice. No. Um, Anyway, guys, got to wrap this show up. Tomorrow, uh, we'll preview more of the Week 2 games, probably go around the NFL. By the way, two of my favorite teams to watch play tomorrow night, Kansas City Chiefs, Los Angeles Chargers, Patrick Williams, or Justin Herbert. It's on Amazon Prime. Remember that. So if you have Amazon Prime, that's where you got to go tomorrow. Uh, Thursday Night Football is exclusively streaming now. Once again, my name is Jeff Kerr. Have a great day, everybody. We'll, t- we'll see you tomorrow.
1: Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit